on Wesson Walker. It's on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate Adam Alexander talking to us, recapping the Daytona 500 that saw Ricky Stenhouse Jr. win the Great American Race. We'll put that on our website, that whole interview on WFNZ.com. You can click the Weston Walker tab along with some of the other better features, the better podcast segments, and hours throughout the day. Again, WFNZ.com. You can also check out us talking about the Carolina Panthers coaching staff. We already went through the hires, Thomas Brown. The Panthers finally hired a new offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, coming over from the L.A. Rams organization, serving a few years there under Sean McVay. They also hired D'Angelo Hall to be an assistant coach in the secondary, somebody that did play cornerback for Atlanta for quite some time, longtime NFL veteran, and had some bouts with one Steve Smith. I wish they would have hired D'Angelo Hall at the time that Steve Smith found himself in the studio, because you're absolutely thinking we're going to pepper him with D'Angelo Hall questions. Oh, yeah, that would have been fantastic <laughs> to see what Ooh. he would have to say. I'm sure they'll play up on that on social media or something like that when those two finally meet up again. Well, because it is hilarious. You had other DBs with a worse history, I guess, with Steve Smith, which kind of goes to show you just how many... I don't know. I don't know about enemies, but he certainly Steve Smith certainly got into it with a couple of cornerbacks before. Keep Talib comes to mind. Isop Son, Janoris Jenkins comes to mind, and Fred Smoot is one of my more underrated battles that he had with Steve, with uh, any of the other cornerbacks out there. Now D'Angelo Hall, so I'm sure he's fine with him getting a head coaching job here, but also, or, um, excuse me, an assistant coaching job here with Carolina but has a lot of NFL experience. And Wes, I think that's kind of the name of the game with what you're getting. Um, with this coaching staff, not a lot of coaching experience, but somebody just getting into the game and had played in the NFL for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Ajero Averro, one year as a defensive coordinator, but has been coaching under some really smart guys for quite a while. Sean McVay worked with Dom Capers before. And so what did you do? You went out and got Dom Capers yourself, who was a coach here in Carolina. You got Jim Caldwell. The original. So many different guys that you bring in that either have a ton of experience coaching, playing, even both love what you've gotten as far as a lot of NFL guys on this staff. And I don't know if you could say the same in the previous iteration when Matt rule was at the helm. No, definitely each hire from this staff. They've had so many that have been lauded nationally, locally, and we haven't had that before. I don't remember in my time, uh, paying attention to football here when we got a team here in Charlotte, to where this coaching staff receives so much attention. Of course, the head coach, and rightfully so, is definitely going to garner the most banter amongst people. But so many hires on this staff have been, you know, highly talked about, highly projected. There's so much experience here. Then, as you see, getting Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator, a guy that's climbed up the coaching ranks really quick, looks like a hot coaching prospect that – is certainly on the path to one day being a head coach. So there's so much to like here as far as experience and youth in the coaching realm that you see. So, I mean, this is it's, it's just tremendous. Now is the time to show and prove. Uh, I'm sure this coaching staff, and, and that's the good thing about it, because this coaching staff is going to experience the pressure of performance to where people are looking at, Evero coming in and him transforming this into a top 10 unit. And people are going to look at Thomas Brown as, oh, you're supposed to be the new guy on the block that's that, that's got the acumen, the chops for this thing 
what are you going to do with this offense? And I think that's where the hires of Dom Capers and Jim Caldwell will lend itself to this coaching staff. These are veterans. These are OG guys that can come in, and if they get a little wound too tight or a little bit feeling that pressure a little bit too much, they can say, hey, just relax. I've been here. You need to do this, this, and this. So think about that. So I think that this staff is, has a great balance of experience and, um, you know, just youth. And I think it's it's a well-put-together staff. Thomas Brown being a part of this staff immediately begs the question, will he call plays? What kind of impact will he have on this offense? Because David Tepper decided to go with Frank Reich. And part of the appeal of Frank Reich is the fact that he is an offensive mind. And we are leaning towards at least everything we're getting out of Carolina. We're leaning towards Reich being the play caller. It doesn't mean that Thomas Brown is not going to have his fingerprints all over this offense, but I do expect Frank Reich to ultimately be the play caller. And in a back and forth between Joe Person, who works for The Athletic now covering the Panthers, of course, and Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the Rams, but used to cover Carolina, and now she works for The Athletic. And a back and forth between those two, um, Jordan Rodrigue was asked by Joe whether if Reich hands the play calling responsibilities to Thomas Brown and if Reich is uh, going through some of those uh, play calling uh, responsibilities, right? Actually handing those down to Thomas Brown. How might his time with McVeigh influence that as a play caller? And Rodrigue said, some might think the McVeigh connection automatically means Brown will call games and design an offense that is all McVeigh fingerprints, but Brown holds certain football philosophies that make him a great fit for the moment in the NFL. For example, in part because of what McVeigh's offense did to change the NFL's trending passing game, defensive is all, the defenses have also changed towards stopping the pass first, which means he's kind of put more of an emphasis on the run game and so it's interesting too right Sean McVay you think air raid offense you think throwing the ball a million times and also maybe having a great running back that you've utilized in years past whether it be you know Todd Gurley you tried to do it with Cam Akers but you spread the wealth a little bit more as that offense started to transition into different years I'm interested to see just how much of that philosophy from Sean McVay does infiltrate a Frank Reich system because now they went and picked a coach from the McVay tree yeah, and a lot is to be made of all the different things that Sean McVay has. He spoke very highly of Thomas Brown. You would think that he's learned a lot under McVay uh, during his time there. And it will be interesting to see those philosophies. What do they bring in? Because as I said earlier in the show, you know, this is an offense that requires a dual threat back and three receiver sets a lot and bunching guys up and, and stacks and bunches and all types of stuff to put stress on the defense. The wide zone blocking run scheme also coupled with quick hitting run plays if you do start to sit on those uh, those zone blocking plays. So it will be intriguing. And I think that I would imagine Frank Reich had a lot of say on who was going to be the OC, and I wonder if he did see some of those things and want to adopt some of those things from the Sean McVay offense that he would like to incorporate and put his spin on it as well because we know with the coach when he had Andrew Luck, now Frank Reich has a reputation of tailoring his offense to his players, but we know when he had Andrew Luck, they threw the football uh, a great deal. So um, we'll see game by game. As the preseason comes in, as we go out to training camp practices and see 
just exactly how they're going to attack teams. Yeah, a lot of this does depend on what QB you bring in. But it's interesting, too. Here is something that Thomas Brown talked about. If he is a play caller, he said this, quote, I don't care if it takes me 10 plays to kill your defense or one play. The point is to kill your defense, and that be and that means being more physical than the other guys at the point of attack. So it kind of runs what you might think is contrast to what Sean McVay wants to bring to a certain type of offense, right? Where here you are bringing in a former running back, by the way, in Thomas Brown. So it is not someone that is this quote-unquote quarterback guru, but he's also worked with quarterbacks, a couple of different varieties, whether it be Jared Goff, or Matthew Stafford after they traded for Matthew Stafford and eventually they would win a Super Bowl. You do have a guy as your offensive coordinator now who wants some hardware at his previous stop. And I think that kind of matters. I'll ask you this. Would you rather have Frank Reich as the play caller or now we know who the name is with Thomas Brown coming over from the Rams organization, Frank Reich play caller and head coach, or would you rather him give those responsibilities to Thomas Brown coming from the Rams organization? Well, I've said before that I think that a head coach, they have so much that they have to do on a daily basis, so much they have to oversee. I would think that taking play calling duties off of their plate would be uh, a great help to them. I think that, it would be best for Thomas Brown calling the plays and then Frank Reich just overseeing it. They can collab a little bit, but Frank Reich coming in, seeing what the plan is. Does he like the plan? What does he like? What does he not like? So I'm a big proponent of the head coach being a head coach and overseeing things, but not being the primary guy or sharing a large portion of the play calling abilities, no matter what side of the ball that may be. I don't mind. I just... Thomas Brown not being with Frank Reich as of yet. Those guys haven't worked with one another before. I just wonder how much their philosophies align. And so when you're talking about a former quarterback, a former running back, mm-hmm. and sometimes, yeah, I don't want to dictate what a guy is going to do based off what previous position he played in the NFL or in college or anything like that. You can still have different mind or different philosophies despite, okay, I played running back. That means we're going to run the ball a lot. I don't want to keep it as simplistic as that. I just wonder if Frank Reich and Thomas Brown align immediately to the point where Reich feels comfortable giving away play calling duties. I See, for me, I I wonder if Shane Steichen would have come aboard, or not Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, if he would have come aboard. Mm-hmm. I think Johnson's calling plays no matter what, mm-hmm. just because of what it would have taken to get that guy. But Thomas Brown, who is reportedly very excited to come to Carolina, not only the money, but of course, just because I think you do have some interesting opportunity, especially with whatever quarterback you might bring in a young guy, especially first round pick. That would be a lot of fun to work with. So if you're Thomas Brown, I think there still is incentive to move in a different direction, being offensive coordinator, being promoted and, you know, possibly getting those play calling duties. But even if you don't, there still is enough to make that transition from LA to Carolina. And I think Frank Reich probably is calling the plays. If to me, it makes more sense for Frank Reich to call plays and Thomas Brown have his fingerprints all over the offensive game plan, but it's going to be dicey. I'm not sure if I had to guess, I think it would still be Reich, but I do think that there's a real question here, even with Reich kind of hinting that he'll be the guy calling plays this season. I think if Thomas Brown has the reputation that we see and how quickly he has climbed up, I mean, it's tough because you wanted an offensive minded coach for a reason so is that the reason Tepper brought him in? For him to be the primary play caller, what will be the percentage Thomas Brown will get to have on the plays that are called out there on Sundays? So 
there's a lot of questions to be answered there on the offensive side. Well, and before they hired Thomas Brown, every hire they made pretty much was a part of the passing game attack. Frank Reich being a former quarterback. Josh McCown as a quarterback coach. Clearly, mm-hmm. the quarterback coach is going to you know, lean towards being a quarterback. But you get the idea with McCown at least getting some head coaching interest from the Houston Texans organization. A Parks Frazier coming in. So we had seen so many of the passing attack type of, of hires. Even Tim, uh, Jim Caldwell. He's someone that lended more towards the passing style um, as a head coach. But now you bring in Deuce Staley, former running back, as a running back coach. And now you finally have a guy that can oversee things that is a part of the the running game. And that's part of Carolina. What they liked in him was his expertise in the run game and what he was able to bring to that Rams offense. Speaking of successful running backs that they've had trying to work, you know, off of that passing attack that Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff had mm-hmm. once they were quarterbacks there, you just have a nice mix again. I mean, you, you want somebody that's smart in the run game, you got it with your offensive coordinator. You want somebody that's smart in the pass game, you got it with your head coach and a couple of other hires that you made. You want to go to the defensive side of the ball, we've seen Avero work really well with a Pat Sertan out in Denver. Now you have your Pat Sertan here in Carolina, depending on different levels of evaluation. But you got a really good young corner in J.C. Horn, and we'll see what you can do with pass rushers like Brian Burns. Also bringing in a D'Angelo Hall with a lot of NFL experience. The the coaching staff, that's the theme of the Panthers these days, is how many leaders, how much experience they have on that staff, and just how celebrated it's been this entire offseason. So we'll see if they continue to do some of that stuff, if that actually plays out on the field come next year. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll take another look at North Carolina's loss to NC State. Discuss where it all went wrong. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're back. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're trying to run this town. Are we, Walker? What are we going to do? You trying to run it or what? Uh, I am trying to run it always. Yep, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I am uh, still entertained, though, about the conversation that happens every time Flounder comes in the studio as they're talking about what's for lunch. Yeah. And they said that Popeye's hurts their stomach a little bit and it's okay. <laughs> but always we're talking about some pretty bad food that we're all, all eating right. in, by the way. Like, we all participate. This is not health-shaming anyone. But I am surprised <laughs> to hear that Popeye's hurts people's stomachs rather than, you know, some of the other fast food restaurants, chicken wings that you have now been eating <laughs> on a weekly basis. I am surprised to hear that. You yeah. know, w- Walker, I, I really – this is a big moment for our radio relationship. Because I told you before I came in, I said, uh-huh. I've got a bitch about KFC, but right. I want it to happen naturally. Mm-hmm. So we went to KFC last night, and they're advertising these new chicken wraps. Mm. And I'm a big chicken wrap guy. There's just something about it where, you know, I, it's good comfort food. I was coming off, you know, a disappointing loss, had a few beers, wanted something good to eat. <laughs> so we pull up to the drive through window, <laughs> and I noticed that they had pickles on it, which I was going to already take the pickles off. But I didn't know if, if they had ranch or mayonnaise on it. So I just told him, I said, look, ask, because if it's mayo, take the mayo off. I don't like mayonnaise. Give me some ranch. Well, undoubtedly, you can't do that at KFC. They cannot make it other than the way that it is listed on the menu. Oh, that means it comes in made that way immediately, and they ain't about to do anything else other than heat it up. And that sounds gross. <laughs> yeah. Especially mayo. I like mayo. I My take on mayo is that everybody likes it. You just hate the amount of mayo on whatever it is. Yeah. I think a thin layer, it only enhances the flavor. But if you're talking about ranch, which, by the way, has mayo in it. But if you're talking about ranch compared to mayo on a chicken wrap, 
Yeah, man, I need ranch on that too. That's you think they already need. come made? Oh yeah. If they're not allowed to do anything else other than the way it's made, then yeah, that thing is already coming made and they're heating it up. Well, Flounder was like, well, maybe they just don't have ranch bottles where they can like put the ranch in there instead of the mayonnaise. But if you have a mayonnaise bottle, you gotta have a ranch bottle, right? Well, the the problem here is not being able to take the mayonnaise off. Yeah, correct? but they have coleslaw on them though, so I don't think they can just take them out and heat them up. Oh, do that? Well, I mean, yeah, you can they heat, got coleslaw. But on. you can take them out, heat them up, and then put coleslaw on it, and then say, "Here you go. Here's your wrap without ranch." You can absolutely do that. I'm gonna give KFC a little more credit than that. I mean, look, if it's true, what Fitty now granted you, now, it you, might be just they might have a company policy to where they can't, or maybe the worker just didn't want to do it. I I think that's a good that's a good theory. <laughs> or they just were tired of hearing hearing Fitty complain. Yeah. Look, man, it's been a long day. It I'm wasn't not, complaining. <laughs> it was just a simple question. I, I don't, don't like Fitty on that though, man. I'm I'm with him on that. I don't like that either. Dude, well, same. I w- I would want to do yeah. the same thing, but I could see an employee being like. That's too much. Yeah, just making up something. <laughs> All I'm going to say is that if, if I find that out to be true, I pass that yeah. very same KFC on my way home. I'll go in there and I'll show my ass. Oh, what, no, are, what you do is you email corporate and then you get free food. Are you a person that will will do that kind of thing? You will chastise an employee? Because I can't do it. It's it, It's got to be like historically bad. Because I worked in fast food, so I know what it's like to be berated by you know a grumpy old person. I'm a young grumpy person, so like it, it, it's got to be like historically bad. Like I'm a pretty generous tipper because I work for tips. Right. So like I mean, unless your service just sucks, no, I'm not gonna go in there and have a temper tantrum. Well, it reminds me right now. I need to hit up Chipotle and tell them that once again they forgot my fajita vegetables on there, so I can get my bogo entree. So what? What is your style? If your order gets messed up, you do strike me as somebody yes. that is not gonna take that. Very lightly. much so. How many times have you? I'm going to be nice. No, no, no. I'm not going to yell at him. I'm going to be nice. Now, if you, I can get with you. I've Mm. done it before. If you get rude, then I'm going to get with you. Uh I had a thing one time, Pizza Hut. The employee, instead of just being nice about it, because I learned from selling phones, customers get away with murder and the customer's always right type of deal. So they were very, very late. It was a Friday night. Like they said, like, the longest time was like hour 15. We're talking an hour 40, hour 45. Uh-huh. I said, yo, man, just take like 20% off or whatever. I'm good. Got an attitude with me. Can I talk to the manager? Manager, get on the phone. Attitude. Okay. Hit up corporate. Ended up getting reimbursed <laughs> for what I paid and got vouchers for more free food. And it's like all that because you want to have an attitude. And my thing is people work hard for their money. And there's a lot of places people could go eat. So, and, you know, I'm not a person that eats fast food all the time. So when I go to places, I expect quality because, you know, if this is the one time I'm going to have it in two months or something like that, I want it to be good. So if it's not good, I'm going to politely let you know that I did not enjoy what you served me. And then if you get an attitude, then we can take it from there. A strongly worded letter to corporate yep. is what you're writing if email. anybody comes at you sp- uh, sideways. Yeah, people do that all the time. My girl's like, I can't do that. I just can't accept mediocrity or bad food <laughs> or service. Well, I can't do it. Man. My thing is, like, you have a freaking job to do. That's what I'm saying. Like, we all got jobs to do. That's baby. right, baby. We all got jobs to do. <laughs> do your damn job. He got so hyped over you saying your catchphrase in his yeah, world man. that that is your catchphrase. Matt in Greensboro wrote in kfc has fallen from grace maybe more than any other fast food place over the last 20 years and you have someone backing your story here fitty 704 number wrote in 
Fiddy is right about the wraps. Took my pregnant wife to get one last night, and she was mad because apparently something similar happened with her as well. See, I'm not one that can do that. I and and some of this is on me because you should get what you order as long as with it, it's not too crazy. But I just can't do it. I'm like, all right, I'll just go ahead and take it. Whatever. I, I get walked on in the fast food ordering industry 100%. Walked on Walker. And my girlfriend is not one to be trifled with. And so anytime we're at a restaurant and she has an order and it doesn't come back the same way, I'm like, oh, God, this is about to. I don't want to be a part of it. I am Homer Simpson in the bushes. I want to back up. I don't want to be a part of any of this. And that's just how I am out in the eating out industry. When you're talking about restaurants, fast food. Nope. I don't want any part of the conflict, man. I'll take the mayonnaise chicken wrap. And it's something I really should work on, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean. Because it's like, why do you, you know, why do you want something that's not what you want? Now, it depends. I mean, I've I've taken food back before and said, hey, I ordered something differently. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to, you know, get, I'm not about to get cheaped out, right? If, like, if I order yeah. something and I get billed for it and I don't get it, then I'll talk about something like that. But there's I think it's so all in how you, I think it's all in how you bring it. So here's another question I have for you, though. Okay. Because I saw Adnan Verk on Twitter. Did you guys see Adnan Verk, what he did with his Philadelphia Eagles cap? Uh-huh. He's still around? He is. So he was on Twitter, I believe, a couple days ago, Mm -hmm. and he put out a picture of an Eagles hat that he had bought from Lids. And so he did the thing where he went to social media, added the store, added Lids, and said, I tried to take back my hat. It was embroidered for some reason that wasn't on my part. I did not ask for whatever logo that was embroidered here. Tried to take it back. They wouldn't do it. So he took to social media to berate them mm-hmm. and didn't get any response. And people were kind of laughing at him saying, hey, you know, ESPN personality or former ESPN personality wants to take it all to social media and call somebody out. Nah, what are your thoughts on Adnan nah, doing that? That has worked. I've done it. And it's worked. And I did it to Bojangles just the other day. Because I went in there and I took... You, you tweeted at Bojangles? Yep, I sure did because I went in there and uh, we got some Bojangles gift cards from the Charlotte FC game. You know, the ones they pass out. It's yep. probably like a dollar on them or something. But I'm like, whatever. It'll take a couple dollars off, whatever the case. But it could be more. I go in there, zero dollars on them. Zero. I said, why are y'all passing out <laughs> gift cards at the game? It's a great that's, strategy, though. That's not zero. But I'm going to tell you when this works. So one time I got some sneakers from... Uh, city, city, um, Hibbit. They came in. They had issues. I think My, you just did a frog noise. But yeah, ahead. they came in from uh, online to the store because I picked to get them picked up in the store. I go in there to get them. They can't check them in to give them to me because they have to check them into the computer because their computers are down. I'm on a phone. This is taking forever. Still can't get it done. I went home. I tweeted about it. Started adding other Foot Locker finish line. I was like, I bet you Foot Locker wouldn't have this problem. Finish line wouldn't have this problem. All of a sudden, I get a phone call that all of a sudden they got this thing together. I got like $30 knocked off my sneakers. And they told me before I left, they was like, yo, man, I had a great conversation with them when I went in. And they said, like, hey, man, you can take the tweets down now. Because I put it out there. <laughs> yeah. They asked you yeah. to take the tweets yeah. down? I'm sure they did. Yeah. I'm not surprised. That's, that stuff works, man. Somebody did say, just go to social media and mm-hmm. then put at on some of those people. They will do it. Yeah, I've had, I've done that in several instances, man. It works. Yeah, I have, I've never done that. I've never done the, the only time that I've really had a problem, DoorDash will hook you up something serious mm-hmm. if they have drivers out there. That pulls some shenanigans on you. I've had people just not drop my food off at the right spot, and it's all the way across town. I've had people just 
pick up the food mm-hmm. and then eat it themselves yeah. <laughs> and then just not bring it back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that is something where it's like, okay, you're so excited about whatever food you order mm-hmm. and then it never comes. And then when it's on the graphic, your food is on your way or it's on its way. And it's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then you see that car pass right <laughs> on by your house. And it is bringing tears to my yeah, eyes. Cause you got to think that a lot of those people at those companies, the higher ups and different things like that, you know, I guess a lot of them once worked there, whatever, but they don't want you going somewhere else. And mm-hmm. they want you to get quality service or quality, whatever. Um, just like at the movie theater, people don't know if you walk out 30 minutes before you get a refund. If you walk out 30 minutes after, they're going to give you a ticket to come back to the movies again because they know there's competition. They want you to come back. So it's crazy. man. Um, real quickly, 704 number isn't happy with me. And I'm looking back at it. Did you see this? Fitty? So oh, yeah. this text message, he said, <laughs> what is it about WFNZ having all of these soft dudes on the air? Mac Walker, Willie P bleeping pathetic. Don't call these wimps in a fight. And this <laughs> And then also on Friday, he got mad at me. Um, 704 number called me a lame, called me square because I'm not drinking brown liquor like that. Now, obviously, I've had it before. <laughs> it just gets me too messed up. So I'm really not trying to bring brown, drink brown liquor. Moderation, Walker. But he said, he said, uh, what a square. Walker's such a lame. So this guy's not happy with me. We all can't be like Kyle Bailey cutting off our toes and coming back to work after the weekend. Like, it just doesn't exist in us. We're not all freaking West Virginia hick lumberjacks. Well, I'm I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to say that I need my 10 toes, though. If, I, if I'm if i missing a toe, I might be out for a week. That just might be how it is. I'm sorry. That's me. You know, look, give me some white liquor because I can't handle the brown. And then just give me 10 toes and I'll be good. Sorry. All right. For the six or seven minutes that we have left in this, we're going to try to get this train back on the track real quick. Because we speaking were... about soft, Fiddy has talked very badly about his Tar Heels calling them soft. Now, before we go into this real quick, let's get these cuts in of Kevin Keats and Turquavion. Let's play them back-to-back because State is talking that talk right now after getting a dub. Let's just concentrate on wins over to everybody in the ACC. I don't, I don't stack it as because it's great wins over UNC. Um, we, we did our job. The other guys did their job. We're happy with it. But I don't put I, – I know people don't believe this. I don't put one win over the other. It was a win we needed to have, and I'm happy to have it. It's not a rivalry, right? <laughs> So why would I care? Would you make a Kevin Keats comment about that? About him saying, well, it's not a rivalry game. Poking fun. That's what I'm saying. They're they're talking that talk. They're talking that talk. Let's play the Turquavion Smith, too. Let's get that one in as well. Hey, man, just another game. I mean, I be trolling, you know. I made I made a lot of comments, but I just like to troll, you know. I like to get under people's skin, you know, so that's how that went. But uh, it feels good to win, beat North Carolina teams because we're in North Carolina. It's always like who run North Carolina, so I feel like we running it this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the background. Look, I, I will say this, man. Like, it's I know Fetty's just insane. Well, it's not great. It's who they are. This is what they do. Whenever they do something... The mod, I mean, look, congratulations. You beat the most disappointing team in the history of Carolina basketball. Go hang a freaking banner and kiss your cousin. This is what <laughs> they do. They can't help themselves. But they're excited. But hold on, though. Like on Friday, we talked about how big of a win this would be for them. I mean, if North Carolina wins this game, Finny, you're talking about how you're going to throw it in State's face if the Heels actually win this game. Like, I don't mind NC State showing out. Now, the whole glasses thing with DJ Burns saying that he took it personally when Armando Baycott wore the glasses after their game. So for me, 
when we talked about it, we had all kind of figured that was some kind of shot towards Jaquavion Smith, right? Like at least at the time, yeah. and he went down with an injury. But if it was to DJ Burns, then that makes it a little different as far as how we were discussing that. But both of them were wearing glasses after the game. And so now here is NC State returning the favor after Armando did it after their victory against NC State. To me, I feel like this actually puts a little bit of legitimacy in the rivalry, at least as it stands this year. Clearly, North Carolina has a way, way, way better history beating NC State constantly. But man, like Wolfpack got the better of them, at least in this game, and they might have just ended North Carolina's shot at making the NCAA tournament. Big time deal. Uh, I'm kind of with Fiddy on this. Okay. That would annoy me too, whether I was a player for North Carolina or whether I was just a fan, because in the last 42 meetings, Carolina's 36 and 6. Oh, yeah. 53 no and 13 in the last 66, and they're 18 and 6 against <laughs> North Carolina State in PNC Arena. So this would make me hit them with the, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. Even a garbage can gets a steak, different types of things like that. But now I think if NC State has swept Carolina, that would have been more of a cause for them to pop off. But like this that. coming from Mr. Petty, that is all about this stuff. Well, yes. I, nah, I can agree I'm that. Surprised. So the, I guess the Petty in me strikes in a different way to where I'd be like, all right, you finally beat us. Yeah. We own you guys, and now you finally won. Now, from the NC State side, of course, because you know at Wake, we didn't have many winning streaks against hardly anybody. So when we did beat people, I didn't care what <laughs> yeah. the record was or what it was. We were going to celebrate, and we were going to be lit. Well, look, this is kind of how I look at it, too. And it is it is absolutely a perspective type of argument because I look at it from a uh, a standpoint of, man, if you're an NC State fan and this is clearly state's biggest rival, Mm -hmm. we can all agree on that state cares about beating North Carolina more than any other university out there where North Carolina and Duke probably care more about each other. And I know Carolina fans hate state fans probably more than Duke University. I feel like that's a common take I hear. Yes. But there's clearly NC State. <laughs> there's only one. Like, they've got one shade of blue in their crosshairs, and it's all Carolina blue, and they got the best of them. And, and for me... To be possibly the team that puts North Carolina out on the street when it comes NCAA tournament time, that's a big-time victory, man. Now, we'll see what Carolina does the last couple of games against Virginia, against Duke, ACC tournament. Cards are stacked against them now that you're uh, talking about their tournament chances. But, yeah, if you're NC State, did you? The fact the fact that they are doing this, I'm not surprised at all. And like, at least this is the type of game to do that, right? Like, it, it, at least when State is about to go dancing, it's not like they pulled off an upset and they're going to go play in the NIT. This State team is about to go to the NCAA tournament. They're the ones that end North Carolina's shot. So I understand it from that point of view. Real quick. Before we get out of here, does this propel NC State, though? Let's look at it from that angle. Instead of saying what's wrong with Carolina, does a win like this give them the confidence to propel them to a fantastic finish because Terquavion Smith did not have a great game, uh, and they still were able to get a win? Jaquiel Joyner looks to be back on track. DJ Burns is balling. They get Jack yeah. Clark back, which is a key piece of their rotation. Is this state team ready to make a, dare I say, sweet 16 Elite eight type of team. Well, as any cliche will tell you when you're looking to get some March Madness analysis, all about that good guard play right. going into the NCAA tournament. And NC State has it, and they have an interior presence with DJ Burns mm-hmm. hitting some tough shots, by the way, like that last one that he hit going baseline. And people forget about Marcel, too. Marcel is shooting at that. NC State has talent. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think that this is a team 
that could go deep into the NCAA tournament. Now it's new territory for them. You know, this is not something that they're familiar with. And so I wonder (laughs) if that is something to um, take note of here, but yeah, as far as the talent goes, we've been talking about how much fun they've been all season long. And when it was 60, 60 all tied up between both of these programs, it was NC state that really put it on late, started to hit shots. And so, yeah, I I loved Traquavion Smith. I loved him last year. The fact that Jarkel Joyner is performing the way he is DJ Burns, not losing a step. I really like what that trio has been able to bring. Yeah, I think so, too. It's going to be interesting, but if I had to put my finger on it right now, I will say that I think NC State is primed to make a great run in the ACC tournament and uh, in the NCAA tournament because of those guards, because of the balance of their offense, and because of the ability they have to shoot the basketball. When we return, my black history sports hero of the day, and we'll close this thing out with what's on tap. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're back. You're back. I'm back. The Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Twitter is Wes and Walker. Hit the follow button. This is your Black History Sports Hero of the Day and on the heels of the Daytona 500. We're going to talk about a guy that a lot of you may be familiar with, especially in the NASCAR round, but Wendell Scott. Listen, Mr. Scott wasn't the first African-American to compete in NASCAR's premier division, but he was the first to be a full-time competitor. He served three years in the U.S. Army during World War II, where he honed his mechanical skills in the motor pool and he came back and he brought all those skills to the racetrack he started racing in 1947 experienced immediate success behind the wheel over 100 races in that next decade at local area tracks first start in nascar's premier series came on march 4th 1961 piedmont interstate fairgrounds was the place in spartanburg south carolina he made 23 starts that season, five top five finishes on December 1st, 1963 at Speedway Park in Jacksonville, Florida. He became the first African-American to win a NASCAR Premier Series event. He won the 100-mile feature race after starting 15th. So they call that in racing, racing the wheels off of that car. Over the next 13 years, he made 495 starts. 32nd on the all-time list. He accumulated 20 top five finishes, including eight of them in the same season. He won his first career race. And he also posted 147 top 10 finishes, more than 25% of the races he entered. So salute to Wendell Scott for paving the way for guys like Bubba Wallace and others to get out there and race. All right. I appreciate Wendell Scott here. Also, 2015 member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I believe that was when the class uh, he was a part of. So big shout to Wendell Scott. And also, I did want to get to some of these text messages because at the beginning of the show, in case you missed it, we were trying to find an alter ego name for one West Bryant when he talks about hockey. He came in donning the Carolina Hurricanes hoodie. He wanted to talk about some hockey 
Uh, yeah, so stadium Carolina, series. Yeah, he wanted to do that. Talk about the Carolina Hurricanes earlier today. And so I don't know if we've actually figured out the alter ego nickname for you. My favorite is Isley Brother. Because it's a play on the Isley Brother, and I thought you were going to be very happy with it, mm-hmm. but you only gave me like a that's uh, so-so. Yeah, I mean, really I'm not it. a you know, I'm not sitting around listening to soul R&B music in my free time. I respect the hell out of the Isley Brothers, but that doesn't get well, my motor running. I would say this though, Isley Brothers are like among the most featured voices in hip hop songs ever, right? Like you, you go, them, yeah. Yeah, you've you've got a ton of Isley Brothers that are featured in hip hop songs, but yes. that's fine. We also went with uh, Mark Wessier. That's one that I came up with. Yes. So the Wasaya, Black Ice, the and then Wasaya. Black Ice, which is you know you wanted Black to be a part of it yeah, at the beginning of this. Like. You were Ice, you were trying. Yeah, so so you want both nicknames because they were separate. But you want both of them. You want Black Ice the Wasaya to be the yes, guy. That AKA ta- Wes Gretzky. I'm doing three names. Like Wu Tang. No, you, you know, Wu Tang. Each member in Wu Tang had multiple names. Okay, but they were also how many? 11 RZA 12? was the Abbott, Bobby Digital, and the RZA. But, but you can't have three combined in one. You're trying to take all of these. They're AKAs. All right, what do, you, what do you want your alter ego to be again? Black Ice. It's going to be Black Ice, AKA. <laughs> the the Wasaya, aka. Uh, How about aka aka? What was the last one? I, I, no, the, no, no, for time, no sorority. The Wasaya and Black Ice and Wes Gretzky. Yeah, aka Wes Gretzky. Okay, that's what I like. That's gonna be too much to kick it to you. That's gonna be it's <laughs> a million different nicknames that you're getting. A yeah, lot we got of three. Yeah, if you wanted a photo finish text, you can text us again seven zero four. 570-9610. Now, somebody did ask if you would like a soccer alter ego name no, as well. No, I don't need that. Well, you could go Lionel Wessie. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Bad. I like it, though. But it is. He, he's not your favorite soccer player, though. No, I'm a Ronaldo man. Okay. Soccer God 7. That's what I call him. <laughs> soccer God 7 is his yes. nickname? All right. Did you give him, like, four or five, like you tried no, to give yourself? No, he just had one. Just, just I mean, one. you know, what was Method Man? He was Method Man, a.k.a. Iron Long, a.k.a. Uh, I forgot what Method Man's other name was. So I'm not sure. I forget. I know you're basically <laughs> the Shaquille O'Neal of the show where you have just a million different nicknames. Yeah. And so there you go. And Casey Steve was like, the Stanley Cup has less names, LOL. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's go to what's on tap. The problem is... Not, not a lot on tap. <laughs> we can go to a big time college basketball matchup if you wanted to watch ESPN later right on up tonight. Valley. Kansas, TCU. You're going to be watching this game between the Horn Frogs and the Jayhawks there, Fitty? Hell yeah. This game has majored one seed implications on the line for Kansas. And also, TCU three weeks ago went into Allen Fieldhouse and routed, routed the Jayhawks. They've got their best player back, does TCU. He returned on Saturday as they routed Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I think TCU actually will complete a regular season sweep of the defending national champion. And make no mistake about it, TCU has legit Final Four capabilities. All right, no one pay it, no one look at the lines for this game. I just wanted to see who would become or who would get closer here. But you okay. also have an ACC matchup. Okay. Duke going to be hosting Louisville. Yes. Louisville coming off of a big win mm-hmm. against Clemson. What an awful loss for the Tigers. What do you think the line is with Duke? seventeen and a half? Oof. 17 and a half for Wes. What do you think? I was going to go 16 and a half. No lie. Wes wins. 18. 
18-point spread. Duke is favored. This according to ESPN. Did you see it and then cheat? No. I just tried to guess based off what they would probably say. And I think I'd seen a spread with Louisville earlier this season that was about that. So I figured that's probably what they get most of the time. So we mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but Clemson losing by 10 points to the Louisville Cardinals. Is that loss alone worth keeping Clemson out of the NCAA <laughs> yes. tournament. It's bad. You knew they were going to get somebody before the year was out, though. You knew somebody was going to get it. But but Clemson, finishing towards or not finishing, but staying atop the conference standings for quite some time, to yeah. have that loss, especially, it just... It just vindicates what everybody thought about you, that mm-hmm. you were a fraud. Yeah. And there were a couple people that wanted to step up and, and defend Clemson, saying, no, this is a team that belongs up here. Brad Brownell, he deserves Coach of the Year consideration. But after that loss to Louisville, a team that now only has four wins on the season, I don't know if you're getting in the tournament, especially after uh, nobody really believed in you all that much anyway. That's the type of loss that could get him fired. So, so it certainly takes you out of the running for Coach of the Year conversation. <laughs> that would be way too much to fire him, though. But it's, it's They haven't that, made the tournament since 19. But but with that history, maybe. Yeah, the, the thing is, if you have this type of season and then lose that game, yeah, maybe you're right. But Honestly, they've been so good under it. him, and they've, they've overachieved so much under him. I mean, we're not talking about a Clemson program that perennially gets five and four-star guys to come now. I think you got to kind of understand, read the room, as we like to say, with what your program is. Well, I mean, you got Pat Kelsey, who's won at Winthrop. He's now winning again at Charleston. If he leaves again, if he leaves again, he's leaving the state. You can't let a guy who's been in your state for 15 years build winning programs leave your state. Like, if I'm Clemson and you don't bounce back and make the tournament, buyouts cheap enough, he'd be gone and, and Pat Kelsey would be in Clemson in no time. He almost left the state and then he did one of those Josh McDaniels things where he's like, alright, I'm just going to go back to Winthrop when UMass was about to hire Pat Kelsey as their head coach really? and then decided to stay at Winthrop, then moves on to College of Charleston. Can he make another move and possibly go to Clemson? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Brad Brownell who has had success with that program before just been a little bit and then that loss to Louisville certainly was not good. That'll do it. Wesley yeah. Walker. Monday Night Raw tonight or finish off of elimination chamber. I had nothing for you there. What's up, man? Uh, You know. You know what? You tell me because I don't know anything. Hey, man, after Elimination Chamber, Roman Reigns cheated again, got another big win to keep the belt. It's all scripted, baby. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Arian Until Foster. we put Fiddy in there and give him a couple of suplex and see how his back is feeling, and then we'll, I'll ask him if it's scripted. I don't want any part of it. I'm soft. That'll do it. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. Keep it right here. Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig, coming up next.